0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside with me is my partner in crime, Tony Defeo. Tony, what is going on?
1: I am feeling pretty fantastic, Brian. How are you? I'm looking forward to, to uh, going back in time with you, as always. That,
0: I mean, I got to start it over again. Um, I just got screwed up. Kulquit just signed. Uh, and I saw that, and I, I started to stutter, and I uh, just, crap. Um, three, two, one. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Tony Deffio, and we're from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and really excited to bring our podcast to you about Steelers yesterday year and the Steelers retro show Tony what is going on
1: hey Brian good to be with you good to be with you I am I am as always excited about going back in time and, and, and talking about some great Steelers memories
0: so are you the Doc Brown or the Marty McFly I guess you're the Marty McFly here in our little world
1: hey that's fine uh yeah I he, uh, he um he got lucky with a couple of different women in that movie so yeah I'll take it <laughs> That's why
0: I enjoy you, Tony. That was great. Yeah, he did get lucky going back to 1985. And so, and going back to 1955, you and I, we're not going to get lucky, but we're going to talk about the Steelers getting lucky. And the Steelers were good, but in that 1995 season, they definitely had to get lucky. So that's what I'm going to that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm really excited about it as well. So let's go back in time to November 19th, 1995. Tony, it was a time when Bill Clinton was nearing the end of his first campaign as POTUS, POTUS, OJ, OJ Simpson. He was busy. He had been cleared about two months earlier, but he was looking for the real killer. He's not he on about, but he was looking on golf courses for the real killer. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, uh, he, he, might be, uh, he might be on uh, hole number nine. You never know. Right. Um, <laughs> covert, covert operations. There's, I know this has got to be one of your favorites. Toy Story was the first Pixar movie ever released, and it was captivating audiences everywhere in theaters. Were you a Buzz or a Woody guy?
1: Actually, I've only seen one of those, uh, Toy Story 3, with my niece back about uh, 10 years ago.
0: Oh, I've got a a Disney-crazed wife, and my kids are Disney-crazed, and I love it. I just saw Toy Story 4 a couple months ago. It was uh, fantastic. Good stuff. Plus, I'm a Tom Hanks guy, so I guess I'm a Woody guy. (laughs) And on the radio was a Buffalo-based band who I really liked a lot named the Goo Goo Dolls, and you could hear the song name everywhere you went, Tony. Do you remember the Goo Goo Dolls?
1: I do, and I remember, I love the story behind that song, how it was kind of like a throwaway song, and and it kind of changed the the whole direction of the band, because it became a smash.
0: Yeah, it was, they were, I've seen them in concert a couple times, and they talked about that, too, uh, how... They were shocked that this song got out there. And next thing you know, they're going grocery stores and they're hearing <laughs> their own song in grocery stores. <laughs> I want to know what your name is. All right. So the Pittsburgh Steelers, they were coming off a year where they just fell short of the AFC championship game. They were an upset victim to the San Diego Chargers in January. And uh, they, that was just devastating. Uh, a lot of people thought that that team was going all the way, Tony. Then you throw in the fact that Barry Foster's gone, too. But then you had the draft. And when the, drafts, when the draft started, you had some fantastic stuff going on because you had Mark Rooner, a new tight end, and then you draft Cordell Stewart and then Brendan Stye in the third round as well. So you have a lot of guys that played right away for that team in that 1995 draft. Tony, I could remember I was sitting and this is going to make, this always makes Pittsburgh people laugh because this is a restaurant that Pittsburgh people joke about. I was sitting in Chi-Chi's <laughs> in the bar in Chi-Chi's and eating nachos and drinking margaritas on a Friday night. Cause the draft was on a Friday night that night, the first round. And, I'm watching the first two rounds, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, they just got Cordell Stewart. I remember that guy at Michigan. Excuse me, against Michigan and Colorado. They got a tight end that they're pretty high on. And then I knew who Brendan Stye was because I was a Penn State fan, and I always watched Nebraska games because that's who was competing for the national championship against them in 94. So, uh, even though it wasn't in the same game, they were they ended up winning the national championship when Penn State, as far as I'm concerned, got robbed. How excited were you about that draft and bringing these new guys in?
1: Oh, I I, I was pretty, pretty, pretty satisfied. I, 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 as you just like you, I knew who Mark Bruner was, and I knew that was a guy that they were interested in. And I, I, I knew more about Cordell Stewart because, uh, as you mentioned, as you alluded to, the The Hail Mary pass against Michigan, and I I thought he was a a real talent. So I I was excited they they got him. I was hoping that they would get him in one of the top two or three rounds. And, and of course, they got him in the second round. So I was pretty thrilled. So
0: the season starts out. Rod Woodson gets hurt. He's out indefinitely. Everyone thinks he's gone for the season. Rod says, wait, wait, wait. Don't get rid of me yet. Don't put me on IR. Keep me around. I'm going to be back. If this team makes the playoffs, he said that, but that was week one against the Detroit Lions. Right. Next thing you know, Neil O'Donnell's injured. He wasn't out as long. He missed a couple games. You had a Mike Tomzak, but you have a great backup in Mike Tomzak. That's pretty good. But then week four comes around. they lose terribly at home to the Minnesota Vikings. Bill Cower's so mad that he grabs a photo. Stuffs it in the referee's pocket because something happened there that uh, they called him for 12 men on the field. Oh, he was livid. It was just, it, it was a terrible start. So they start out the season two and two after starting out two and zero, oh, start out two and two. Next thing you know, they're playing a Thursday night game against the Cincinnati Bengals. They're three and four the week before they lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it's it's awful right now. Then they go on a three-game winning streak, and you're feeling a little bit better, but there's still a lot of heartburn with this team, but they're six and four. Then after that, Tony, you've got a huge game with the Cincinnati Bengals that just embarrassed you not too long ago, three weeks before, and it's right before Thanksgiving, and you're six and four, and it's a crucial, crucial game. What was your thoughts going into this game? How must win was it?
1: Uh, It was, it was, it was critical because as you, as you mentioned, the Bengals came into three river stadium on a Thursday night and, and beat up on the Steelers 27 to nine to, to drop them to three and fours. And they were at that point, they were six and four, meaning the Steelers and the Bengals were four and six. So, Uh, a win by the Bengals would have drawn them one game closer. And all they would have had to do was tie the Steelers to uh, win that head to head tiebreaker and be in first place in the AFC central, the old AFC central. So it was was very critical that they walk out of uh, old river front stadium with a win.
0: Absolutely. And I got to tell you, Cincinnati had Jeff Blake. They had a, they had a defense that could uh, they could beat you up. And just really worried about this team at the time. So this was huge. And the Steelers really needed a signature win. And they had to have it. They had won just a week before against the Chicago – excuse me, two weeks before against the Chicago Bears. They, the only time they have ever won in Chicago, and it was an overtime game, and they had to come back. So this team definitely had some comeback abilities, and they were definitely going to need it again. Going into this game. So Cincinnati starts the game off, Tony. They started off hot from the opening kickoff on. David Dunn gets the ball. Norm jo- Johnson kicks it off. David Dunn around the eight-yard line. <laughs> then, then he does something that you don't see a lot of. He threw it. He threw a pass all the way across the field. And it was it was a good pass. Yeah. It was a legitimate pass it was behind the line of scrimmage but through a strike right to a guy named david hill who i don't remember david hill that much he ran the ball 62 yards all the way to the steelers 35 yard line right off the bat that that crappy riverfront stadium crowd was going (laughs) nuts right and what were you thinking you're like here we go again already
1: yeah i mean uh what a a nightmarish way to to start off a, a game and and I went and rewatched it on YouTube and and the thing that I found extremely annoying was the, uh, the, the Bengal roar that they played every five minutes, especially early in that game uh, when the Bengals got off to a hot start. And uh, especially right after that play, you open up, you open up the game with with a a trick play on, on, on special teams and it works and and it sets, sets uh, you're all of a sudden right off the bat, you're, if you're the Steelers, your backs are against the wall.
0: So Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green, the Steelers' defense, they're, they're trying to buckle down here. They force a third and eight. But on third and eight, Jeff Blake throws a 25-yard strike to Carl Pickens, who goes down to the 10. Then the East Carolina QB does it again. He finds Darnay Scott, who beat Willie Williams. William, Willie Williams had a great year that year, but he beat Willie Williams for a four-yard score. It's 7 nothing. Very early on in this game, Tony
1: yeah, and uh, Jeff Blake, at that point in time, was a, a thorn in Pittsburgh's side and, and, and the bengals had had uh, Carl Pickens and Darnay Scott and Tony McGee, so they had some they had some weapons, and the Steelers had a hard time dealing with them early in this game and, and right off the bat, just minutes in at seven nothing Cincinnati
0: so here comes Neil O'Donnell. And the Steelers' offense, and they're like, all right, got to answer back. we got to answer back just like that. So they started to move the ball really impressively on that opening drive, but Ernie Mills fumbled the ball after a short gain. Bracey Walker just cracked them. Yeah. They get the ball back at the 47-yard line, Tony. But Steelers' defense wanted to step up as well. Kevin Green sacked Blake to halt that drive. The Steelers moved the ball again, courtesy of some positive runs by Eric Pegram and Cordell Stewart. Stewart had a great run on that play. He was, he was like, a, like an antelope, watching a deer run. I mean, he was, he was so graceful running the ball, and he streaked down the field. But the drive stalled with a sack. Um, it was a former Penn Stater, Andre Collins, who yeah. was there as a backup because James Francis got hurt and they were talking about James Francis being the guy that the Dallas Cowboys wanted in the draft. But Cincinnati took him at number 12 and they had to settle for Emmett Smith.
1: Yeah. yeah, That James, was funny.
0: James Francis was a, a really good player though. Um, right. He went out and his replacement came and had a huge sack. This was a long sack. Right. They lost a lot of yards, so the drive stalled, and uh, they had to they had to settle for a field goal. But Norm Johnson, who was money, 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 one of my favorite Steeler kickers of all time, I'm big Gary Anderson guy, and he ultimately is the guy that replaced Gary Anderson after they brought Dean Biasucci in, who didn't make it through the preseason. But this was my guy, Norm Johnson, who was not used to kicking the ball from 50 yards out because he was. An older player at this point he nailed it so 756 into the first it's seven to three tony so you're feeling a little bit better here they they got back in the game with at least a field goal it's a lot more manageable huh
1: yeah i mean they they, they survived the the uh the turnover by ernie mills at midfield so uh, it could have been, been a, uh, an onslaught early on, but they, they survived that and they, they got back into the game with, uh, with Norm's field goal, who, as they said on the telecast, and visually I could I could confirm it, he could have made that from 60 yards. I mean, he absolutely uh, nailed it.
0: So, not so fast, my friend, though, because it gets worse for the Steelers. You had that brief reprieve with the, with three points. But guess who? Of all people, gets a kick return against them. You would never guess this in your wildest dreams. Who would haunt his former team after a kick return of ten yards? But Kimo von Olhoffen.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was funny to see to, to hear his name in that game. I forgot that he played for them.
0: Yeah, he be, he played longer for the Steelers. Actually, maybe uh, four years for Cincinnati and six for the Steelers. But a lot of people remember him as a Steeler, and his name is Mud in Cincinnati after uh, the uh, the hit on Carson Palmer. But it was it was a clean hit, and everybody knows that. But Jeff Blake comes again. He staged a long drive. He countered that Steeler field goal with a rollout TD. It was from one yard out with two forty left in the quarter. Kirkland hit Blake deep in the end zone and was penalized 15 yards on the kickoff. And they were playing clumsy at that point. It's 14 to 3. The Steelers are bleeding profusely at this point. It's not looking good. And you know, the first quarter's almost over, Tony.
1: Yeah, at that point it looked like they had no answers whatsoever uh for the Bengals offense. And 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 that's coming off of the game at Three River Stadium where they had no answers. So you're looking at five straight quarters where, where the offense just rolled over their defense, which was a really good defense that year. So uh, it didn't, it didn't look good after, after, uh, after one quarter.
0: All right. The Steelers started to move the ball again, Tony, but on fourth and one on the Bengal 40, Leon Searcy, who was a really reliable player for that team. He got nailed with a false start. Then Ron Stark had a punt. So is gone in the second quarter. Here come the Bengals again. And what happens? Ninety-three yard drive, Tony. Yes, one yard pass to Carl Pickens. He dominated Carnell Lake on that drive, and that was really odd because Carnell Lake, who had moved a corner at this point, um, ended up in the Pro Bowl as a cornerback. But he just he got decimated, and Pickens was a really solid wide receiver at that point. Right, twenty-one to three Bengals. What what's going on in your mind, Tony? Because Here's where I was, Tony. I was at my – my. Uh, I had just moved in May to uh, from Johnstown, PA, to Elkins, West Virginia. And I was home, and we were – I had to work on Thanksgiving Day. I knew I was going to have to work on Thanksgiving. So we had our Thanksgiving. And we had it done in time so we could watch the game. And after that was happening, I'm like, I might as well just get on the road. It's 21 to 3. And my dad convinces me. He's like, "Brian, stick around. You know, they're the Steelers. Stick around. Give them a little bit more time. You don't give up until there's zeros on the clock." Right. That's my dad's thing. So I'm like, "All right, I'm going to stick around." I had a three-hour drive. I'm like, "I'm just gonna. I'll stick around. I'll just watch the game." <sighs> I wasn't feeling too good about it here. How were you feeling?
1: I wasn't feeling good at all. I just it was not a good start for them, and 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 obviously. Again, with everything that was at stake in terms of of how where Cincinnati was in the, in the AFC Central, a win a win there, and all of a sudden they're back in the race, and and they have a huge advantage with the tie with the head-to-head tiebreaker. So I wasn't feeling good at all, and it didn't look like they had any answers for uh, the Bengals offense, and it looked like it was just going to be another another blowout for the uh, for the guys with the stripes under helmets.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break, Tony, and see if they can get any reprieve right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Steelers Retro Show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is Tony Defio. As we go back in time to hang out with you, my friend, and... Go back in time to yesteryear with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we're talking about days of glory. The 1995 season was a pretty magical season for the most part, Tony. And we're talking about a very pivotal game. The second time the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing the Cincinnati Bengals that year after starting out three and four, this team six and four, but they're in a hole in this game. It's late in the second quarter and it's 21 to three and the Steelers get the ball back. And they're desperate at this point. So what do you do? You trust Neil O'Donnell at that point to see what's going to happen. And what happened in that game, Tony, at that point with Neil O'Donnell getting back on the field?
1: Well, they, they needed to answer, and they did. They drove, let's see here, 68 yards, I want to say. Oh, and, and, and they made a 21-10 to 10 when they, on a uh, O'Donnell to Ernie Mills 42-yard touchdown and that was huge at that point in the game because again it looked like the the, the Bengals were just going to score at will in that game and, and they had up to that point basically so the Steelers needed to to stop the bleeding and and, and they did in a hurry with uh, from with O'Donnell to Ernie Mills who was probably one of the more underrated receivers in Steelers history
0: it actually started out as an on their own 13 so it was an 87 yard uh-huh. drive and on that Mills got a 42-yard pass. He caught one from, it was his fourth touchdown of of the year. From 42 yards out, Neil O'Donnell, he pump faked the heck out of Corey Sawyer and froze the Florida State alum. And the lead was cut to 11. So that's a big deal at this point. It's now 21 to 10. On the very next drive, the Bengals picked on Lake again. And that's very odd to say that Lake was getting picked on. He was filling in for Rod Woodson. He was called for a pass interference. He grabbed onto a flying Darnay Scott. Maybe it was a good thing that he did, but it was a 41-yard penalty, (laughs) and it set Cincinnati up at the 15, but they were able to hold him. Doug Pelfrey kicks a field goal. Then the Steelers get the ball back, though, and after a 32-yard catch from Charles Johnson, Norm Johnson counters with a three. So the Bengal coach, Mike Scholl, at the time, he made an odd choice. He had Blake Neal on his own 25, his own 25-yard line, not with 13 seconds left, with 53 seconds remaining in the half. So it's 24 to 13 at intermission. They've got an 11-point lead. But, Tony, 53 seconds in today's NFL is a long, long time.
1: Yeah. And, and as, as we mentioned, you know, the, the Bengals had great success against the Steelers defense up to that point, you know, the, we're talking six straight quarters of total dominance by Jeff Blake and his receivers, uh, the, the aerial attack. And, and why, why Shola, he was a young coach at the time. Maybe he was, he just, he was happy to have that 11 point lead, but it, uh, I know the the folks at Riverfront stadium weren't too happy. They, they, they let him have it with the boo birds, but it seemed like that had been a good opportunity to, especially since Pittsburgh had the ball to start the second half, that would have been a good opportunity to go and, and get those three points back that Dorm Johnson just, just kicked to make it 24-13. I'm sorry, uh, uh, to get a two-touchdown lead at that point.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was still 20 – it ended up 24-13 at halftime. After the half, you're thinking, all right, the Steelers are going to get the ball back. They've got to do something right now. They're only down 11. They get to receive the second half kickoff. Then there's an impressive run by Eric Pegram, and he gets hit. He's trying to make an extra effort, and it's a nice run, but nice runs are ruined when you fumble the football in that extra effort. Bracey Walker collected his second fumble recovery of the day at the Steelers' 34-yard line, and you're like, here we go again. Yes. Then comes Jeff Blake. His third touchdown of the game. There's only 4:29 gone in the quarter. Tony McGee, the tight end, catches it in the end zone. It's 31 to three. The Steelers seem doomed. Tony, it was an it was an embarrassment. It's now 31-13. What are you thinking? 18 points when they we're getting the ball back in halftime, Tony.
1: It's funny. Uh, you mentioned uh how things were going over your way but i was watching it with my my two uncles my uncle eugene and my uncle my late uncle tony and he said to me at that point right after tony mcgee scored the touchdown he said, just relax because i was i was getting all worked up you know i was a young guy at, the, at that time he said just relax and just watch the rest of the game and his point was it's it's it, it there's no point in uh in worrying about it the game's over they're they're done just relax and and just enjoy, enjoy the, best, the rest of the game as best you can. But he was actually pretty prophetic, as we're about to find out, because it was all Steelers after this.
0: Yeah, it was. So uh, I'm glad you sat back and relaxed, because this is a, probably about – this might be about the time when my dad told me to stick around. I, I can't remember exactly, but he said the same thing. Stick around. It's, it's the Steelers. Hang out with us a little bit more. Um, and they never do that. They're, my mom's like, get on the road, get home, call us, mm-hmm. let us know you're okay. A Three-hour drive, you know. Um, right. Tony, teams with championship dreams, they refuse to die. So they wipe the riverfront turf dust off of them, and they regrouped. After a Cincinnati pass interference uh, by Rod Jones on Ernie Mills, here comes O'Donnell going to work. First down passes to Mills and Yancey Thigpen. Then the Steelers just went to the ground with Eric Pegram and Bam Morris. Boom, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Burley Bam Morris went airborne. He didn't do that often. He right. was a big man. He was a young guy, but he was a big young guy. And the second year guy, he went airborne in the end zone from the one yard line. Seeds of hope were getting be planted at this point. It's 31 to 20. Right. Luckily, Tony, at this point, you're feeling a little bit better. They're down 11. There's still some time. It's not even the fourth quarter yet. And you realize that the Steelers have the league's number two defense. You've got Kevin Gilden, Greg Lloyd, Darren Perry, Ray Seals, Carnell Lake, Jason Gilden, and these guys started to clamp down. So they forced a three and out, and here come the Steelers again. What happens here, Tony?
1: Well, they drive. It's a it's – a a seven I a 10 play drive and o'donnell hits andre hastings for 15 yards to make it 31 26 and they decide to go for two to make it 31 28 and how do they do it uh, cordell stewart lines up in, in the backfield as a running back along with eric pegram and o'donnell's the quarterback hands it off to the slash and he options it to to pink and he barely makes it in, but it was, but he makes it in anyway to make it 31-28. And now the Steelers have all the momentum.
0: They saw their lead of 18 dwindle down to three with 39 seconds left in the third quarter after that 83-yard drive, and you throw in a two-point conversion on there too. That's a big deal. You could they didn't have the escalator there because it was Riverfront Riverfront Straight Stadium, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Paul Brown stadium where they can get on the Esca loser when, <clears throat> when they're filing out, but they probably would have pretty soon at this point, 35 seconds into the fourth quarter, the Steelers electric look rookie named slash Stewart. He cut a ball over the middle from O'Donnell and it was just magnificent. How many yards did he go for that?
1: He went 71 yards right down the seam and, and the, uh, the NBC crew, especially Paul McGuire, he was calling for it. He's like, this guy is wide open and Neil O'Donnell has to find him. And he eventually did. And it was, uh, it was very exciting. I remember uh, jumping up and down in my living room and my grandmother and mother were in the basement doing laundry, I guess. And they were going honest to God, what the hell's going on up there? So that's something I always remember from that game. And, um, uh, that was definitely the, the, the honeymoon of the, of the slash Stewart era in Pittsburgh. And, and he was definitely the toast of the town at that point. And he was an exceptional football player overall. He was obviously, he wanted to be a quarterback, but he was an overall great football player. And that, that play right there just typified uh, the kind of uh, the kind of receiver he, he he was as well as, as everything else, quarterback, running back, everything slash.
0: We were smitten with this guy. We loved him. And I've always said that I think he would have been a perennial pro bowler, maybe a hall of famer if he stayed on in that slash role, if he stayed on as a wide receiver, he didn't want to do it. Right. He wanted to be a quarterback. And it's hard to tell a guy that, Hey, you know, you don't be a quarterback. Do, do you, right? Be you and be this electric playmaker. Imagine some of the things that he could have done with his size and speed, but that's for another time. It's 35-31 now, and usually on these shows, we're talking about great comebacks in the fourth quarter. This was a great comeback, and it happened mostly in the fourth quarter because they took the lead in the fourth quarter, but now they, they're just going to run away with it now. They would never look back. The Bengals' right. offense and defense, they just unraveled. It was epic fashion, Tony. Morris added his second and third rushing scores in the fourth quarter. Bam Morris had three... Rushing touchdowns in this game. Yeah. Greg Lloyd would force his fifth fumble of the year with a sack on Blake, which Bill Johnson, remember Billy Johnson, number 90, he recovered it. The Steelers would triumph by a score of 49 to 31 in this game. They were down 18, but the Pittsburgh offense would reel off 36 unanswered points. That's something that you don't see very often. You don't see that today as well. Tony did you look at uncle Tony and say, wow, you were right. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. he uh, I mean, he was right for, for, for indirectly anyway, but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was probably the most fun Bengals game I've ever watched. Um, at least on TV, the one that they played in 2014, I, I actually attended that one and that was a, that was a fun one, but the, the, the most fun Bengals game I've seen, uh, at you know, them on the ro- playing them on the road. It was just, it was just fun watching the, the, the fans um, roll out of Riverfront Stadium and, and hearing all the Steeler fans uh, just take over the place. So it was just a, a, a great win, and probably the, the, the signature win of the regular season for them.
0: I tell you what, this is the one that after this game, there was no looking back. Right. Because remember, this team only lost one more game, after that in the regular season and it was it was a crazy game too but it was like two days before christmas yeah and it was a game in green bay that they did not have to win they were i mean they did not maybe for seeding but kansas city was the number one one seed that year but they reeled off a lot of victories so they ended up winning maybe the next four or five in a row after that as well to end 11 and five. And we know what happened. They went to the playoffs. They went to the super bowl. They lost in the super bowl, but you know what? It's still one of everybody's favorite seasons because the magic came back. They finally made the super bowl and it was something special. So Tony, thanks for looking back on this game with me. This was a fun one to talk about.
1: Yeah, it was, it's definitely it definitely ranks up there with one of my favorite Steelers seasons. And um, yeah, I mean they didn't they didn't go all the way, but it was it was uh, they made it they made it there. And, and not, it not that doesn't happen very often, so it's something that it's a season I always look back back on uh, fondly.
0: I will as well. So I'm sure we're going to be talking about uh, some more games from this season as we keep on going in the retro show. But thanks so much for everybody checking in with us on this game. Tony Defio, it was a good one, and we'll be on the retro show next week with another great one as we go back to Monday Night Football. The next time we're on here, we're going to be looking at a Monday Night Football game with the Ravens in 2008. So for Tony Defio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks so much. You've just enjoyed the Steelers retro show, or at least we hope you did. And we'll see you next time we go back in time.